And God's peace be yours today in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The text of the message comes from our second reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let us pray. Gracious God, bless our time and open your word to us. And as we gather, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our maker and our redeemer. Amen. Uh, Last year, July 2017, an article in the Boston Globe, uh, the writer Sean Murphy told a story of a guy by the name of Len Evans. Uh, For almost 60 years, he lived in a a 50s-style ranch house surrounded by a a thick, uh, uh, lush green lawn on top of a hill in Burlington. Uh, A man obsessed with that perfect lawn, maybe you know those kind of people, spent a lifetime just caring for that, puttering around in the yard and in the garden. Uh, But the article told a tale of how this uh, rich, lush lawn had been turned into uh, just an ugly patch of dirt and weeds out in front. Uh, Now, uh, Evans uh, blamed the the lawn company. Uh, They had treated his lawn with fertilizer and weed killer the year before. And the article went into a lot of detail about everyone pointing the finger at each other. Now, uh, if you live in a home, either owning or renting, you take care of your lawn, don't you, Uh, more often than not. And one of the things that you occasionally deal with is that bare spot in the yard. There are a lot of different reasons this might happen, but it just still looks bad no matter what, right? One one way to fix it is try to seed the bare spot. Now, if I were to just sort of count out uh, that grass seed and plant uh, 10 little seeds in a patch, what kind of result would I get? Well, it might look like a few green stray hairs, right, uh, in that bare soil. On the other hand, if you take that seed and you generously uh, spread it across the soil, what can you look forward to? Well, uh, great results, right? Uh, Hopefully the grass will look great. That's one way of describing the opening thought in the verses of our reading today where Paul's telling the Christians in Corinth about giving. He says, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you will reap generously. He's saying God wants us to know and experience a certain fulfillment and joy in giving. And so that's the next step as we consider our lives as consecrated stewards. One of the first things we need to be reminded of is that God really is the source of all that we have. So in giving, any kind of giving, it really starts first with God. God is the owner of all that we see, all that we have. God's entrusted us to be his managers, his stewards, uh, to manage all that we have with care. God has showered that grace upon us. Paul writes, God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now he who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your storage of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Notice Paul uses the word grace here. And, 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 and it's used in scripture a lot of times. It is through God's grace, his grace alone, that he gives uh, uh, us all that we are and all that we have. Grace is that undeserved love that God gives to us. Luther uh, captured, captured it really well in his explanation of that first article of the Apostles' Creed. Maybe you remember it from your confirmation days. 
I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that he's given me body and soul, eyes, ears, all my members, my reason, and all my senses, and he still takes care of them. He also gives me clothing, shoes, food and drink, house and home, wife, children, land, animals, uh, all that I have. He richly and daily provides me with all that I need uh, to support this body and life. Not only that, he defends me against all danger, guards and protects me from all evil, and all this he does only out of his fatherly divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness in me. That's grace. And for all this, it is my duty to thank and praise, serve and obey him. This is most certainly true. You see, God's created you and me to reflect his pattern of giving in our life with him and with others. Just like you and I would scatter seeds all over the place when, grant, when, when planting uh, grass, right? God scatters those gifts all over the place to everyone, uh, to the poor as well as to the rich, to the, to the young as well as to the old. God is not stingy with his gifts. He gives generously each and every day. Year after year after year. And it is for that that we are thankful. And a thankful heart is a happy heart. A trusting heart. A heart full of praise. A heart that gives in return. When we're led by God's Spirit to recognize and count our blessings, we're the healthiest, we're the happiest in our hearts and in our minds. And then we're able to approach all, uh, all of life with that attitude of giving. Just imagine that hand uh, planting seed generously, and you will see more of an open hand, right, scattering seed. In contrast to that closed hand that is holding that seed tightly in its hand, it's not going to go anywhere, right? That kind of giving of God is, is really is a trusting heart, a thankful heart, because otherwise we would stash it away and not let go. So giving, we need to realize first, giving starts with God. But what are some characteristics of Christian giving? Uh, One of the characteristics is really being a cheerful giver. God's not looking for a disinterested giver. God's not looking for a, a compliant giver. He is looking for a joyful, a cheerful giver. He wants to know that you delight in giving. One example is James L. Kraft, the head of the Kraft Cheese Company, Uh, After being stranded in a city all alone, he began to sell cheese from a a wagon, uh, but things weren't weren't working out that well, and he was raised in a faithful Christian family, and he realized that he needed to reorganize his priorities. He needed to seek first the kingdom of God, and then all else would be provided for him. So he decided to, right then and there, give 25% of those personal profits to the Lord and his offerings. And things began to turn around for James L. Craft, and, and, but the thing was, was that he didn't back away from his commitment there. For the rest of his life, he gave 25% and more of his personal profits to God. Later, making this statement, the only investment I ever made which has paid consistently increasing dividends is the money I have given to the Lord. He found purpose. He found fulfillment. He found joy in his giving. Another example is one I mentioned last week was Zacchaeus, uh, that short man who was that tax collector, despised by his fellow Jews. He heard Jesus uh, 
uh, was heard about him. He knew he was coming to town, and, and so he wanted to see him, uh, but he couldn't see over the crowd that had gathered, uh, so he climbed up into the tree. Maybe he didn't want to run into the people he had cheated either, uh, and so up the tree he went. And when Jesus saw Zacchaeus in the tree, he told Zacchaeus to come on down. Wanted to, I'm going to go to your house today, Jesus said, and have dinner with you. And so Zacchaeus experienced this unconditional love of Jesus. It changed his life. It changed him. He said he would gladly give away half of all that he owed, owned and would reimburse anyone who had cheated in taxes four times what was taken. Now, some people have suggested that Zacchaeus felt a little guilty and felt like he needed to pay, repay for what was wrongly done. But who gives gladly out of guilt? <laughs> Zacchaeus gladly gave. He had a thankful heart and found joy in giving in response to God's undeserved love and grace. That's one of the characteristics of Christian giving, that it is done cheerfully uh, and, and with purpose, of uh, expecting those results. Paul writes to the Corinthians saying, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or un- under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. For you will be made rich in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through your generosity, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. A cheerful giver. One of the other characteristics here is, is uh, not only being cheerful, but also being committed, a committed giver. I mean, your, your giving uh, is a commitment that comes from your heart. And it should uh, be one that comes as a result of that joy, but it also brings you joy too, doesn't it? Although there's a warning here, we need to avoid some pitfalls in giving. Giving should not be forced. Giving should not be out of guilt. Giving should not be reluctant. Instead, it is that joy and it is that commitment uh, to do so. But you need to be careful. You're not called to give to everything, right? I mean, you, I, you and I both know that there are so many needs out there looking for our attention and our money. Uh, and, and so Paul says there needs to be some forethought to this. Uh, and planning that each one should, each person should make up their mind after some serious thought of how to honor God with their gifts. The stewardship principle here is that giving should be an occasion for joy. We know it is true God loves that cheerful giver. The giver wants to give because he or she loves Jesus. The giver wants to give because it honors God. And so they're committed to that. Here's an example, okay, you, you married folks out there. Uh, imagine it's your anniversary. Uh, you, the husband, you've taken your wife out to a nice restaurant for dinner. The two of you are enjoying a nice romantic time together. She looks into your eyes and says, oh, thank you for this time together. It is so thoughtful of you. And as the husband, you turn to her and say, well, don't think a thing about it. I'm just doing my duty. What do you think her response will be after she throws something? (laughs) She'll probably glare at you, won't you? What does she want to hear? What does any person in a relationship want to hear? They They want to hear and to see that you're giving because of joy. 
and that you're committed to do this. And it's the same with God. It's not easy when thinking of our motives uh, to giving to God, right? There's so many possibilities for giving, some good, some bad. Sometimes we give out of a sense of responsibility, sometimes out of guilt, sometimes out of compassion, sometimes out of self-satisfaction, sometimes out of love, sometimes out of fear, sometimes out of commitment, sometimes uh, because we give because we want that public praise or acknowledgement, sometimes it's thanksgiving, or because we want to get some kind of reward out of it. You see, the reality for us Christians is that we're constantly at war with our sinful nature in our giving. And it is truly impossible for us on our own to be totally holy in our motivation for giving. You know, many are reluctant to give. That's a problem in our world, in our church at large. Uh, that, uh, that, that conduit of, of giving gets stopped up with self-centeredness. People are blessed with all kinds of resources for God, but they're confused. Confused about why he gave them those resources in the first place. The truth is God created and designed us in his image to give, not to hoard, not to squander. We're following our sinful nature when we're mainly inclined to keep and not give like that closed hand. A heart that hoards things is not a happy heart, right? It's not a trusting heart. And at the end of the day, it is poor, not richer. You know, if we pay attention, we see principles of giving uh, have been put in practice all around us. You know, your marriage is not going to be successful. Your relationship is not going to be successful if, uh, if you're always on the receiving end, right? You need to give. Uh, and, and those relationships are a success when, when you're giving love and devotion to the other. Counselors remind us people who are happiest in those relationships who are people who are focused on giving rather than taking. We see that in our good and gracious God, right? Think of that wonderful passage we all know, John three sixteen. The main example of God's grace is the fact that he did what? He gave his only son into the world to die for our sins. When we could not do anything about our sinful condition, God gave. He gave his very best. He gave the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross to pay for our sins. The greatest example of giving the world has ever seen. Look to the cross of Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes fixed on him, the author, the perfecter of your faith. Trust in the hope that you have in him and him alone. And you'll find that salvation, the joy of salvation that leads the Christian giving, and the blessings that it brings. You know, when we give with a cheerful heart, there are great results. God God, uh, does show that many times when there is a a, a blessing of giving, uh, there is a a blessing of giving back, uh, a a receiving of joy. Paul reminds us the service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, But it's overflowing in many expressions of thanksgiving to God. Because of the service which you have proved yourselves, we will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Maybe you've seen it if if you're on Facebook every now and then I see it uh, pop up on, on my feed. Uh, but it was back in 2013, there was a, a Thailand-based uh, 
communications co uh, company that produced a, it was a three little, uh, little three minute uh, uh, promotional video that tells a very captivating story. I don't know how true it is or not. Uh, thankfully, it's got subtitles because I cannot read uh, that language. Uh, but it begins with a little boy being dragged out of, a, of, a, of an area and he's caught shoplifting medicine for his mom. Uh, he's being shamed publicly in, in, in outside there. And a food vendor from across the alleyway uh, steps in, uh, pays for the medicine, uh, and then he calls out to his daughter, who works at this little food stand with him, uh, to get some vegetable soup uh, for him, and he gives it to him, and he sends him on his way. Well, 30 years go by, and, and uh, the little daughter and this man are still working in the uh, in, in his shop uh, uh, dispensing food and, and, uh, and also he's still generous at that point giving to people who, who are in need uh, and he collapses at work and his daughter gets into the hospital but it shows you that the bills are overwhelming uh, the numbers are un, unreal uh, and, and one day as she wakes up uh, her head is at her father's bed she wakes up and, and the bill is uh, next to her uh, and it shows the amounts all zeroed out. And there's a note from the doctor that says, all expenses paid 30 years ago with a pack of pain, three packs of painkillers and a bag of veggie soup. <laughs> Isn't it amazing when God brings our generosity back to bless us? To bless us in our time of need when we're led by God's Spirit to open our eyes and recognize how abundantly blessed we are. We're going to find ourselves with thankful hearts, with happy hearts, hearts motivated by love to give cheerfully, to give joyfully in response to God's undeserved love and, uh, that is ours in Christ Jesus. A cheerful giver realizes the giving starts with God. A cheerful giver sees the act of giving as a joyous thing and they're committed to do it. The cheerful giver sees how God always gives back in his grace. Here's an assignment for you today. I want you to look at the ways in which God has blessed you with what you have. It all comes from his hand. And see his greatest love through Jesus Christ as that sacrifice for your sins. Secondly, realize that your act of giving really makes your heart healthy as you do it, as you do it cheerfully in response to God. And as you open your eyes to the blessings which result from giving to God and to others. And so it's my prayer that God's Spirit will work in you to keep reflecting that image of God, giving, giving generously, giving joyously, and finding fulfillment in doing just that. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.